as he walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Then he went and washed and came back, able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, It is he. Others were saying, No, but it is someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought the Pharisees, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also began to ask him how he had received his sight. He said to them, He put mud on my eyes, then I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him? It was your eyes he opened. He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and received his sight until they called upon the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? Then how does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but we do not know how it is that he now sees, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that anyone who confessed to Jesus, who confessed Jesus to be the Messiah, would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. So, for the second time, they called the man who had been blind. And they said to him, Glory, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. 
Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Here is an astonishing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does listen to one who worships him and obeys his will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened his eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born entirely in sins, and you are trying to teach us? And they drove him out. Jesus heard that they had driven him out, and when he found him, said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who was he, sir? Tell me, so that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment, so that those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to him, Surely we are not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would not have sin. But now that you say, We see, your sin remains. Again, for those of you following along, the uh, scripture, which is not accurate in your bulletin, is John 9, 1 through 41. So if you want to, it was quite a long one, and there is a lot in there, and it's hard to narrow down what to talk about in this, because there's, there's so much symbolism going on with sight and not seeing, with hearing and not hearing, and light and darkness, and John is so full of double meaning, you, you hardly know where to begin with all of that, and it's, it's an incredible story. There's mud involved, which is always kind of fun, right? And uh, uh, things like that. But what intrigued me about the reading of this text this week was, was uh, here's this age-old question that comes to Jesus. Why? Why did this happen? Why did this happen to this person? Who caused this man to be born blind? And we, I tell you what, more often than not, people who have abandoned religion or walked away from their faith uh, are asking, when I ask them why, this is the question they have. Why would a loving God allow such tragic things to happen? Why would a loving God allow this man to be born blind? And in this time, no one really blamed God. They were all looking to blame someone else. Well, who was it? Was it this, did it something this man did himself or was it his parents? What did his parents do that caused him to be blind? Because either he sinned or his parents sinned. And the Pharisees, Pharisees, of course, said, well, we, we know this. It's not my fault. <laughs> Therefore, it's not my responsibility to worry about it. They have done something. But more often than not, these days, what we hear is, why would God allow such, such tragic things to happen? People born blind, people born with 
difficulties, cancer, all of these difficult things. And I, I fear I've set myself up. I'm not here to answer that, really. <laughs> I fear I've set myself up. But I'm here to explore this question that, uh, that, Jesus, that is brought to Jesus about why. Why was this man born blind? Why are we born the way we are? Why is the world the way it is? And so often we look around and we see the problems that, that occur in this world and we see them as obstacles that one cannot overcome and tragedies that steal our life and our ability to live. And so often though what we see as obstacles, God sees as opportunities for us to really tap in to that divine spark that God has given us and bring out the best. And this is, not an, this is not a new question coming to Jesus. And it's not a new problem. They've been asking it all through the ages. Abraham, Abraham saw problems when God said, hey, you know, things are going to be good for you. Abraham saw that he was old, and Abraham and Sarah saw that Sarah was barren. When God said, I will make you a people, and I will make you a leader of so many people, Abraham said, wait a minute, I'm old, and, and Sarah's old, and we've never been able to have children. But God saw something else and said to Abraham, look at the heavens and count the stars, if you're able to. Count them, Abraham so shall your descendants be. Moses saw problems. When God came to Moses as a burning bush and said, I want you to go and free my people, Moses said with a stutter, God, I'm slow of speech and I'm slow of tongue. You don't want to send me. God said, who gives speech to mortals? Who makes them mute? Who makes them deaf, seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? And then Moses begged God, oh, please, just send someone else. <laughs> it would be so much better if you sent someone else. But God said, no, I'm sending you. You can take Aaron if you want, but I'm sending you, and it'll be fine. Where, God, where Moses saw problems, God saw opportunities. Isaiah saw problems. Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips. God said, no problem. I will cleanse your lips. And then they do this thing with, that involves hot coals and burning. And, but at the end of the day, Isaiah was satisfied <laughs> that his lips were clean enough. And he went about proclaiming the word of God. Jeremiah also saw problems. Truly, I do not know how to speak, God, for I am only a boy. I'm just a young man. No one's going to listen to me. God said, don't say that. I will tell you what to say. Don't be afraid. Be strong and courageous, for I am with you always. Be strong and courageous. Don't let people tell you you're too young. Paul, the apostle, also he saw problems when Paul, who had an unnamed ailment, pled with God to remove what he called this thorn in his side. God responded to Paul, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. 
So I will boast, Paul says, all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. What Paul seems to be saying is the same thing that's being said here to this blind man. Why were you born blind? It's not because someone sinned. It's not because someone fell short. And it's not because there is an unloving God. But he was born blind. And it is an opportunity to reveal the strength of God. And the ways of God. And the love and compassion that God has. Jesus seemed to be tapping into this same aspect of God Paul was as he looks into the heart of this blind man. This blind man who was left out because of something not of his own control. This blind man who had to sit and beg for his sustenance. This blind man who was seen as unclean, as unworthy, as unloved and unlovable. Everyone saw the problems in this young man's life. But Jesus saw something different. Jesus says, everyone says to you, you're blind. But you know what? I think you see clearly. Jesus said to him, when he said, show me this Messiah, show me this light of the world. Jesus said, you have seen him. <laughs> a funny thing to say to a blind man. Oh, you have seen him. And he is before you now. In the kingdom of God, in the world of Christ, the blind can see clearly. And those who claim to see can't see at all. And here's the paradox of what John is trying to say. So often we need to find our strength in our weaknesses. So often we cannot really become who God wants us to be and who we really are in our heart of hearts until we let go of the notion that we have it all together. Until we let go of the notion that, that we are not quite right yet. And somehow we have to manipulate ourselves to look like everybody else or to become something more than we are or something else. What Jesus says here is you were born the way you were born so that God could be glorified in who you are. What an incredible statement to make. There's nothing wrong with you. You are perfectly made. You are perfectly made. Sometimes you don't act like it, but you are perfectly made. And everything you need to be who you are supposed to be is within you. And when you tap into that, what will happen is God will be glorified. Amen? Amen. God will be glorified as we become who we are to glorify God. You know, I got to tell a story. There was a, when I first went to seminary, there is a legend in Oakland 
J. Alfred Smith, Reverend Dr. J. Alfred Smith. He was my preaching professor. But my first day in seminary, I'd, I'd, I'd heard of J. Alfred for a long time. My first day of ser- seminary, we had, a, we had a chapel for all the new students and all the faculty were there. It was, a big, it was a big chapel meeting. And I knew that we would see J. Alfred Smith. J. Alfred Smith, who was, who was an icon uh, and, a, and, a, and a giant among urban ministries. Uh, he, he started this church in downtown Oakland and built an entire, uh, this incredible program that reached out to the poor, that got people off the streets and off of drugs, that got people from, into transitional uh, housing, that got, he, they had low-income housing. He took up a whole block, uh, Allen Temple, the church uh, he pastors, takes up a whole block in Oakland and uh, lifts up, I mean, it's an incredible ministry he has done. They, they train people and give them certifications so that they can go get jobs in technical fields. It's an incredible ministry he built up over 25 years, and I knew I was going to see this guy. And I thought, you know, what does a guy like that look like? And first of all, I knew he was black. Uh, you know, it was a black church, so uh, that, that helped. <laughs> uh, but I'm sitting in chapel, and... In walks this giant black man that the moment he walked in, you could just feel the, the air change in the room and people were coming up and talking to him. And, and I thought, There's Jay, that's got to be J. Alfred Smith. And he comes up and sits and sits down. And as we get started, this, um, this guy gets up to, to do the call to worship, and I, fig- I thought he was a first-year student, uh, gets up and he kind of stammers around a little bit with his, with his uh, call to worship, and we, you know, we finally get through it, and, and um, uh, he sits down, and I thought, man, it's a good thing. I hope I'm not that bad right now, because uh, we got a long way to go. And uh, we go through the thing, and I said, I, I said, oh, man, finally we get to hear J. Alfred Smith. And the guy sitting next to me said, that's not J. Alfred Smith. That's George Cummings. George Cummings is a theology professor, an impressive person too. J. Alfred Smith was the meek little guy who stood up and kind of stammered through the call to worship. Just a little fella. Not that impressive Nothing incredible was said. Now, I got to tell you, I went to J. Alfred's church and heard the man preach, and the guy is phenomenal. But in this instance, my first impression was, really? This little guy, this meek man, is the the one who, who has brought about this incredible empire of ministry in Oakland? How great is the work of the Lord. Amen? <laughs> How great. And I, you know, I found that, I, my, fir- my first thought was a little weird. But then I thought about it and I thought, well, if God can use J. Alfred Smith <laughs> to do such incredible things, what am I worried about? God can certainly use me and you and you. And what an incredible gift that was that this meek little man was J. Alfred Smith. The J. Alfred Smith. And I'll tell you what, I've... I've Kept that story with me a long time. Every time I see J. Alfred, I think, man, God is doing some incredible things in this guy. God has said, why are you the way you are? 
Why do you have the personality you have? Why do you have the gifts you have? Why do you have the struggles you have that, that I don't have? And why do I have the struggles I have that you don't have? Why does the world depend on the whims of people and the compassion of people? Why? Uh, Why can't we find peace? Why can't we get these things together? And I tell you what, where we see incredible, daunting obstacles, God says to us, why don't you see the opportunities you have to become the people you're called to become? Why have you been born this way? Why is the world the way it is? The answer is the same. So that God might be glorified. So that the work of God might be revealed in the things we do together. God's not going to do it for us. While in our own minds we think, yes, that would definitely reveal God if God just did it. But God says, look, my work, my love, my compassion, my creative ability, and my love for you will be revealed all the more when you tap into that, when you lean on me and allow me to be that good shepherd and guide you. More importantly, when you all come together and begin to see what this blind man sees, then God's work will be revealed in you, in me, and in everyone. You know, it's easy to see the problems and the obstacles. Like Abraham and Sarah, it's difficult to see how one gets from A to B. Like Moses, it's easy to see what is lacking or what can be a hindrance. Like Isaiah, it's easy to say, hey, I'm unworthy. I really shouldn't be doing this kind of stuff. Like Jeremiah, it's easy to feel like there are those who would be more equipped, more qualified, or just all around better at it. Like Paul, we would rather not have to deal with the obstacles. It would be a lot easier if things we're taken care of but Jesus said in all these instances you are made this way that the work of God may be revealed in you it's a simple message I'm hearing in the text today but the things that are in our lives that seem the hardest are the opportunities God has to shine the brightest And it's by design that you can't do it alone. It's by design that we have been called together to go with one another down this journey. The things that have been the biggest hardships and challenges for us as a church will ultimately be our strengths as well as we grow, as we follow God closer and more diligently as we are faithful and God is faithful to us. What we are called to today is to let God get messy with us. Spread a little mud and draw us close to one another and open our eyes 
see all that God has in store. You have been wonderfully and beautifully made and equipped. Here's my conviction that everything we need to be a successful and relevant congregation in this city is right here. And everything that you need to be a whole person who embrace the abundance that God has for you has been given to you. That God might be revealed in you and in the work we do together. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, this is such an incredible story of your grace, of your power, of seeing and hearing. Help us to see that what you have given us are opportunities where we see obstacles. And may we join together in overcoming the difficulties that stand in our way that we might reveal together the things you have, the things you want for this world. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.